Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm Kat, your host, and here we are at Season 1, Episode 6, and today joining me is Tressa. Hi, Tressa. Hello. I can't believe that we're already at Episode 6. No, that was quick. It went really fast. It did go really fast. And we can't do a podcast on haunted locations in Southern California without talking about the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Once called the Hollywood Memorial Park, it's one of the oldest cemeteries in Los Angeles and has all the elements that we at Haunting History Podcast love. It's history, it has true crime, and best of all, it's haunted. Have you ever been, Tress? I have not been there, but I think I'm probably going to want to go there after this episode. A little field trip. It's um, it's really kind of amazing. I've been going there for years. I think I drove by it. It has, like, really pretty gates. It's downtown, right? No, it's, uh, it's oh. right. If you got off the freeway at Santa Monica, you passed it. I feel like I've seen a very big... It's not big, biz from, no, it's not big from the front. The front of it, it's actually really small. But it's where, small. like, all the celebrities are buried, The celebrities, right? the old his, old Hollywood. Okay. So. I was downtown, or I was somewhere in L.A. at one point, and somebody had recently died, and it was a big deal, and I think I drove past it while they were, like, going in at, like, really big gates. It has a beautiful gate, but it's not, it's just a driveway. Okay. And there's a reason why. It wasn't originally like that. Normally, you drive past cemeteries, and you can see, like, the lawn and all this. You really can't there. Yeah. There's a, there's the gates, and on one side of the gates is the chapel, which is still standing in the original chapel from 1899, and then on the other side is the Elks Lodge, which is a, a brick building just on either side of the gates, there's the chapel and then the Elks building, which is beautiful. It's really old, too. I mean, I feel like I've seen this. Creepy, creepy. Because like, I remember big stone buildings. Or yeah, buildings. right on either side yeah. of it. But it, as far as... But you this, really couldn't see inside. No, and as yeah. far as the cemetery goes, it doesn't... You don't drive past it and automatically know, oh, that's a cemetery. I mean, other than the sign out front, which has changed numerous times. It's the final resting place for tens of the golden age of Hollywood, as well as people who played vital roles in the shaping of Los Angeles. It's located at 6000 Santa Monica Boulevard at the Hollywood district of Los Angeles near the corner of Gower. Once known, Gower, Gower Street is the other street on the side of the cemetery. Gower Gulch, just a little tidbit of information. Gower was used to be called or better known as Gower Gulch. It was where all the extras during the Western era, when they did all the Western movies, the silent Western movies, and even into the 20s when they were doing the silent, the Western films, all the extras would line up on Gower Street, dressed in all their Western clothes, uh-huh. waiting to be called as an extra for the day. So they called the street Gower Gulch. Uh-huh. And really weirdly, as, I mean, it's because where the cemetery is, the cemetery is on Santa Monica, and it's bordered on one side by Gower, and behind it, I would say behind it, which I don't know if that's logistically correct is paramount studios then yes this is what i have been to. you have been by yes because i've gone to some filming for some shows in paramount studios it's connected the back wall there's only a wall yeah um the paramount studios is borders the back end of it and gower borders the side of it and so the extras that were filming for the day or wanted to be paid for the day would gather on gower street and so you would drive down gower street and they would be dressed in western gear and then during the musical era it would be people dressed in 
dance clothes and then during you know the different areas the street changed because is it zombies now no but it's really it's a really cool you can feel the history just driving down gower there's nothing in la that's super nice i mean well beverly hills or rodeo drive but um in that area between um hollywood and vine and santa monica and melrose where paramount studios is on off the 101 freeway it's it's not a nice area no it's all the stores have gates on the windows and garages that yeah. Right. Doors. right. Yeah. It's not nice, but I make everyone get off at Melrose off the 101 freeway and then you drive past Paramount Studios so you can see the big giant gates of Paramount Studios, which is always majestic and cool. And then you make a right on Gower and you, you really can just feel the history there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a cemetery that gets to me. I don't know. But I always take people there. The, it was, the cemetery was founded in 1899 as a Hollywood cemetery. It was later known as Hollywood Memorial Park. And then in 1998... Like I said earlier, it was given its current name, which is Hollywood Forever Cemetery. When it was first founded, was it only for celebrities or no? This no eighteen ninety nine. The studios weren't even part of. They actually they sold, they owned the land that Paramount Studios and the former RKO Studios, which was on the other corner. um, They they sold them the land. They the the original owners, the the founders of the Hollywood Cemetery were two men, um, Isaac Linkersham. And his son-in-law, Isaac Van Nuys. Those names sound familiar? No. City of oh, Van Nuys. Van Nuys yeah. Linkerson Boulevard. Yeah, they were the two founders of it. And they, again, recognizable names in Los Angeles. In 1897, they bought 60 acres of land near Hollywood in Los Angeles County. And that year, along with M. W. Gardner of Santa Monica, Joseph Rodford, Gilbert Smith, and Thomas Wallace, formed a corporation known as Hollywood Cemetery Association. The cemetery sold off large tracts to Paramount Pictures, which is still standing, and RKO Pictures, which is long gone. Um, they each bought 40 acres in 1920. So, I mean, there were no interments there yet. They had just started the Hollywood Cemetery Association. Mm-hmm. So there weren't interments on that land, but they sold the land that became Paramount Studios and RKO Studios. But originally it was part of that land. Part of the remaining land was set aside as a Bath Olam Cemetery, which was a dedicated Jewish burial ground for members of the local Jewish community. From 1899 to 1937, the cemetery moved along quietly, becoming the final resting place for silent movie stars and the movers and shakers of the film industry, which didn't start until like 19, I don't know, 19, no, before that, silent films were before that, 1915. Okay. Um, In 1937, Jules Roth, a convicted felon and millionaire. Was he any relation to the Roths that people may know nowadays? No, no. He was a shady, 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 shady character. And just a horrible human being, as we'll find out as we go along. But he was in, he came out of San Quentin State Prison in, as much as he's shady prison, shady, shady shit, what I call him, shady shit, he, kind of impressive for being a con artist. He, he and his business partner had run up, like, all these different scams and found out the police were following them and trying to catch them. His boss was C.C. Julian. They ran from the authorities. Um, Roth was wanted on 39 counts, including grand theft and securities violation. They fled to Canada um, using a fake name. He was finally arrested in Winnipeg. And at his court hearing, he snuck out a door reserved for jurors and disappeared. Like, I mean, you got to hashtag respect. I mean, he was a shit and a horrible human being, but he just walked out the door and no one stopped him. 
aren't most con artists. He knew what he was doing. Good. Yeah, he for sure. Doing stuff. He um, was later found in New York and arrested again in Extraday de Los Angeles. After a one month trial, he was convicted on 21 counts and sentenced to 9 to 95 years in San Quentin. And this is where the whole Ancestry.com thing comes in. If you look him up on Ancestry.com, you can go to his prison files. Mm-hmm. And then this is where I lost it for, I don't know, three hours of my life. When you go to the prison files, it, it they have the book scanned online of all the convicts that were in San Quentin. And each page has the person's mugshot, their name, their description, and what they did when they were received at San Quentin, when they were paroled at San Quentin, and when they were discharged. All handwritten. Oh, wow. You, I couldn't stop looking. <laughs> I could not stop looking. I was looking at every... Like, I finally found him on the page that I was looking for but then I don't know how many hours I sat there I got lost again ancestry will get me every single time um what's really funny about his page though like it has in for every person like burglary two counts robbery whatever his just kept saying see yellow page like on everything that you looked at he had what did I say 39 counts see the yellow page well I finally found we had 39 counts so it wouldn't fit in the book that they handwrite at San Quentin I don't know why I was so fascinated by that would you have done that too would you get sucked into that probably it's I have the morbidest personality I mean clearly I like the whole morbid and macabre thing but just looking at the pictures the little mug shots of all the crazy felons I just Uh and it it being so old yeah that's what's interesting you can go back to the 1800s. Yeah, it's, it sucks. So he was sentenced to 1 to 99 years? 1 to 95 years. 95 But years. clearly didn't do He only did less than 2. Who decides when you get out? Oh, you get paroled for he good behavior or whatever. Oh, yeah. Right. He got paroled in two years. I mean, it was white-collar crimes. So they call it white-collar crimes. He wasn't... I think so, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't breaking and entering into houses or yeah. anything, so... Yeah, he wasn't he, physically hurting people. No, he got out. And when he got out of San Quentin, he met... The woman who was the daughter of the super, the cemetery superintendent at the Hollywood Cemetery. And because of the stock market crash, was just, what, 10 years before that, people who had bought into the cemetery, well, they were quick to sell. Nobody wanted, they needed, 10 years later, people still hadn't remade their money and needed money. So through the cemetery superintendent, the daughter, he found, he went, he went to Hollywood Cemetery. His parents are, are buried there. So he was there. He met the superintendent's daughter, found out a bunch of people wanted to sell their stake in the yeah. cemetery. He ended up being, I don't know how he kept his money while he was in prison, but he kept his money. He was and he, hiding it. Clearly, he knew what he was doing. Um, he ended up buying a 51% stake in the cemetery. So he basically owned the cemetery and went on the cemetery. Majority owner. Yeah, 19, in 1939. He immediately used the money from the cemetery's operations to pay for his own personal luxuries. I mean, he was shady right on the spot. Um, he didn't put any money into cemetery upkeep. He sold plots that weren't available. He did, like, this whole thing where he would sell plots to people who were young, weren't dying anytime yeah. soon. Basically started, soul, immediately started running it into the ground. Um, it operated on its own from 1940 to 19. 52, and then 1952, the suckiest thing happened, and it's so, our history. He still owned it in 1952? He owned it until until 1998. Oh. Yeah, a long, 1937, wow. 1939 to 1998. In 1952, and this is one of the sadder stories about the cemetery, is Hattie McDonald. Do you know who Hattie McDonald is? Mm-mm. She was, she played Mammy in Gone with the Wind. I ever watched You Gone never watched Gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
She was the first um, African American to win an Academy Award oh, at the cool. 1940 Academy Awards. Nice. She was an actress. She played. Um, she was the best role in, in *Gone with the Wind*. I mean, she was amazing. But it was. This is a really sad story about her, though. And she went through a life. I mean, she was. She died in 1952. So. S- segregation was still going on in the 20s and 30s in fact when she went to the academy i read a lot about her when i found out this story and attached it to the hollywood forever cemetery at the academy awards where she won an academy award they had to make an allowance for her to be in the hotel because it was still segregated so she had to sit at a table at the very back of the room not knowing she was going to win the academy award how sad i know well it gets sadder in 1952 when she died the actress better known as playing Mammy and Gone with the Wind, and for being the first um, African-American to win an Academy Award, she, in her will, wrote, and I quote, quote, unquote, I desire a white casket and a white shroud, white gardenias in my hair and in my hands, together with a white gardenia blanket and a pillow of red roses. I also wish to be buried in the Hollywood Cemetery. But Jules Roth wouldn't allow it. The cemetery was still segregated in 1952. I don't think that we understand that. No. We can't. I can't wrap my head Like, can't even fathom it and understand. Someone could even have the right to say where you're buried. Yeah. He. You buy a plot, you buy a plot. He, it was still segregated and he refused, even with public pressure, refused to let her be buried there. Wow. But I can't. That's, that's I, I can't wrap my But that's what a shady shit he was. He was a horrible, he was a horrible human being and then he just aggravated it and made himself. He was just a jerk off. Yeah, he was just horrible. He wouldn't allow it. The cemetery at the time was segregated and he wouldn't budge. <clears throat> He's, I don't know if he had any redeeming qualities. He continued to spend his money, any of the money coming to the cemetery on his own personal desires rather than keep up the grounds. And then in 19, this is how bad it got. In 1974, the crematory had to be shut down after singer Cass Elliot was cremated. Do you know who Cass Elliot is? I'm talking to a podcast generation, and people won't even know who Hattie McDonald is or Cass Elliot. She was a singer from the Mamas and Papas. I know my parents had a Mamas and Papas album. Record. Yeah. She, uh, I don't know who it is. she was being cremated, and this, this comes from the supervisor of the crematory. While she was being cremated, bricks were falling in to the crematorium because he never paid for any upkeep on the cemetery. So they shut the crematory down. For 20, it took 28 years. It wasn't reopened. Yeah, well, he didn't do anything until someone else took over in 1998. But the whole time he owned it, there was no crematory there, which is unheard of. But they couldn't because it was going to fall down and kill someone who was still alive as opposed to killing someone who was dead. Um, By the 1980s, the California Cemetery Board began receiving regular complaints from families who were interred there. Family members complained that the grounds were not kept up and were disturbed to hear stories about vandalism. Like, he didn't even do anything to protect it from vandalism. A well-known makeup artist. Now you know who Max Factor is. Makeup. I didn't know that that was a person. Oh, yeah. The Max Factor. His name. Max Factor. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The Max Factor family who was interred in the Beth Olin Mausoleum in 1938. So this happened in 1980s. In 19... He died in 1938. The family went in and one of his remains moved because the cemetery was so decrepit. It was falling apart. Yeah. Um, in 1986, a thousand plot owners filed a class action lawsuit against the cemetery for invasion of private privacy after they discovered that Roth was allowing people to pay from Paramount Studios to park in the cemetery. They would just park right over the graves and then walk to Paramount Studios. 
Can you believe that? He was just a gross human being. He just did not care. He, in the late 1980s... the people that were parking there? When well, I they were... the cemetery, I try to walk you t- right. between lines. Like, you don't walk right. over... Like, they were just as bad, but... The fact that he would sell that, though. He owned a cemetery. People would park there. I mean, yeah. I don't know who's worse. They're both pretty bad. Um, he, in 19... In the late 1980s... He had to settle some tax bills, which I don't know he had tax bills because he lied about everything. But he wanted to maintain his lifestyle. So he sold two of the lawns in the front. This is what I was talking about, how the front used to be much bigger. You could, from the street, you could see the gates and into the cemetery, which is normal. When you drive past a cemetery, you're, you know that's a cemetery. Yeah. I don't feel like you do there because it's really just the gates and then the buildings on each side. He sold the plots at the front of, um, Santa, three acres in the front on Santa Monica Boulevard it's now like a laundromat and a liquor store and a garage like a, some kind of repair garage or something but that's what blocks your view from yeah. it being a cemetery it was reported the property was paid for in cash someone bought that for cash so that was another way for him to swindle his money those lawns are now strip malls um that house among other business an auto parts store and a laundromat during this time an employee reported Roth to the IRS because Roth was Roth, Roth, not Roth. We should call him Roth. Right, um, Roth. Yeah, he bought a yacht, saying that he needed it to scatter the ashes of the clients who paid for that portion of their burial. Um, but he was using it just for women and entertainment. Nice. He wasn't using it for that at all. He was just all around slimy. He terrorized his employees. He would. He paid someone to spy on his employees. He just all kinds of crazy. Just gross. The cemetery continued to fall in disrepair. Headstones and crypts were crumbling. The lawns were not maintained. Buildings and tiles were falling apart. And then in 1994, the Northridge earthquake happened, which did further damage. Now, this is really creepy. After the Northridge earthquake, the, the ground had moved and settled. So crypt doors were just hanging open. Oh, weird. Crypt doors have, like, crumbled and fallen aside. So, like, one day you're there, the next day you go, and all the crypts are open and... Like, things had fallen off. Like, really, 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 really in disrepair. Yeah. So, people didn't want their... They didn't want their family members any, that anymore. The interments had dropped so significantly that most years they made more money charging families the $500 to move bodies. To, like, dig people up and, and pull the... What is it? Marble off the front of their wall yeah. things. Um, they paid more... They made more money moving people out of there than they did actually burying people there. By 1998, at the age of 97, Jules Roth died, which he, I want to say that he got it back in the end. He really didn't. He was already dead, but he was so decrepit the last, I don't know, six months of his life. He had fallen in his home. Uh, The people that cared for him, his nurse and his manager, completely changed his will to only include them and got him to sign it and stuff. So no family members got any money. I know, but did he care? He was dead. Like, I don't feel that that was that. It wasn't good enough karma for him, I don't think. Um, Why didn't he get Jolly Jane as a nurse? I know, right? That would have been helpful. (laughs) After his death, it was discovered that the cemetery endowment fund, which was meant to keep the cemetery going and taken care of, um, was missing $9 million. He had spent $9 million that people had paid to keep the cemetery safe and looking right. Um, Tyler and... part of what you pay them by a plot? Or do you have to, like... Monthly. I mean, you don't pay monthly. I don't. I don't know anyone when who pays monthly. When you buy it, part of that goes to the perpetuity of the cemetery, the upkeep of the yeah. cemetery. So that money was gone. 
it wasn't money that was ever supposed to go anywhere else but into an endowment fund to maintain the cemetery. So that, I mean, because you eventually die, your family eventually dies, people who cared about you eventually die too. So the only way to keep like where your remains are nice is to have that fund. And so everyone pays into that fund to keep it. Well, he stole every single dime of it. Wow. $9 million. Um, Tyler and Brent Cassidy purchased in 1998, they purchased the now, it was now only 62 acres, um, on the verge of bankruptcy for, guess how much they bought it for? In Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. How much? 62 acres. $375,000. You, you can't even buy a one-bedroom house. You can't buy a condo for that. I know. No. Yeah. You really can't buy a one-bedroom condo in California for 375000 I was just looking him up, and I sold my condo, what, four years ago and made a decent amount of money on it. They're going for $375,000. Yeah. 900 square feet. Yeah. Nine, and the, and it's they bought- It's an apartment. It's they, not a condo. No garage. Yes. Just that, just on my bedroom. Yeah, they ended up um, buying it for $375,000. They initially, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to think bad. They, one of the brothers still owns it to this day. I don't want to think bad of them. They ultimately being bad guys too. I don't know what it is about this property, but they renamed the Cemetery Holly Forever. They set out to completely make it over, restore it, refurbish it. They put a memorial I don't know what they're called, but like TVs where you could watch memorials. People could create memorials for their loved ones. Yeah. So like you can watch one on Rita Valentino and Cecil B. DeMille and all the old movie stars are all in there. Um, they had found out about Hattie McDaniel Daniel not being able to be buried there. So they had a statue in her honor put there. I mean, it's nice, but I mean, her remains are not there because she couldn't be buried there. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's good. Um, but then in 1910, Brett Cassidy, one of the brothers... Die, 1910. Larry, I do that all the time? In 2010. See, I just want to be in history all the time. In 2010, Brett Cassidy, the brother... It was two brothers about it, Tyler and Brett. But in 2010, Brett Cassidy and his father, along with several others, were indicted for running a Ponzi-like scheme, stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from pre-need funeral contracts. So... What is it about a pan- reading, researching well, if you this? Think about it. You're getting all this money up front and not having to deliver a product. And the product is already there. The it's not going to do there, anything. You yeah. don't have to like make something. You're not you making don't anything. Have to deliver until they die. Yeah. So it's a very easy way to get greedy. And if this is a cemetery, I know you don't believe. I don't believe that. That cemeteries are haunted. I don't. You want me to say that? Yeah. I know that you don't believe cemeteries are haunted. But no, I don't. I do. I know and you do, and but and, and, and I don't I, know that I've agree when it comes to this place. What energies are getting a hold of these people who are have access to all this money and right. control, and they can just yeah, I don't know. Think they probably think they'll be able to replace it. So not a lot changed from Roth to the current owners as far as like shady business, because clearly the cemetery business. I didn't know until I started researching this how shady. The funeral business was. Um, but the Cassies did rebuild. They refurbished the cemetery. It does look better than it ever did. One of the things that people talk about today, and this is where we're going to get into, like, the haunted part of the cemetery. Um, one of the things that people talk about today is uh, the Lady in Black. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about this cemetery. Um, you know who Rudolph Valentino is? Rudolph? Rudolph Valentino. Valentino. You've heard that name before. Was he an actor? No. Well, yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. What movie? Nineteen twenties. I don't know 
And I need so, to, I can name off the movies all you want. And you would not know who they are. The Sheik was one of them. No. One of the things that people t- still talk about today at the cemetery is the Lady in Black. Have you heard? I don't think so. No? Um, back in the 1920s, have you heard of Rudolph Valentino? The name sounds familiar. I know. I should know who it is, but. Well, I do because I'm in. He, yes. Okay. <laughs> he was an actor. He, um, back in the 1920s, Rudolph Valentino was considered a pop icon. Like the stars of today. He's a Wait. silent movie star. Okay. I think I know. About which the lady. I'm going to go back to another TV show. What? American Horror Story. Do they do a lady in black? And it was a movie star that she would go and visit the cemetery and throw right, uh, red rose. Red rose there you on go. his. Yeah. Um, his every, crypt. Yeah. His crypt. Yeah, as a wall crypt. Every day. Yeah. And that was in what? American Horror, Horror Story. Stars. I need to watch that. I do. Um, but she would turn out to be a vampire, so. Oh, she did? Yeah. It's not a vampire okay. story. Um, back in the 1920s, Rudolph Valentino, a pop icon, was a sex symbol who was known as a Latin lover or simply Valentino. His premature death at the age of 31 caused mass hysteria among female fans and further propelled him to iconic status. On August 15th in 1926, Valentino collapsed at the Hotel Ambassador on Park Avenue in Manhattan. He was hospitalized in New York's Polyclinic Hospital. Following an examination, he was diagnosed of having appendicitis and gastric ulcers. Surgery was performed immediately. His condition is now referred to as Valentino syndrome. He had a perforated ulcer that mimicked appendicitis. After surgery, Valentino developed periontitis. Do you know what periontitis is? No. It's... I. I kind of want to look it up. Periantitis, I believe, is after... It's like an infection of... Periantitis is an inflammation of the silk-like membrane that lines your inner abdominal wall and then covers your organs within your abdomen. It's usually due to a bacterial or fungal infection. So it's an infection. You after from the surgery? After the surgery, yeah. And it says, on August 18th, his doctors were optimistic about his prognosis. The media was told that unless Valentino's condition deteriorated, no further updates would be given. However, his condition worsened on August 21st. He was stricken with a severe relapse, which was um, a pleuritis, an inflammation of the membranes that surround the lungs and line the chest cavity. It developed rapidly in his left lung due to his weakened condition because he had the infection in, from his abdomen. Yeah, his body was shedding yeah. The doctors realized that Valentino was going to die but as was common in the time, they chose to withhold the information, which I don't understand what that has to do. Reportedly believed that he would recover. He reportedly believed, this is so sad. He reportedly believed that he would recover. During the early hours of Monday, August 23rd, Valentino had briefly been conscious and chatted with his doctors about his future. But he soon lapsed into a coma and died a few hours later at the age of 31. Oh, I know. But it seemed like it was an unnecessary surgery to begin with? No, he had ruptured. No, he did. Oh. He, they, it was an... They thought it was appendicitis, but it was ruptured ruptured ulcers, which, can you not fix that? I don't know. It's called Valentino's, uh, they call it Valentino's syndrome because it's the bursted ulcers that mimic an appendicitis, so maybe it was something they didn't need to do and they opened him up to infection. Or the burst ulcers caused the infection, which ultimately killed him. Yeah. I don't know. Not a doctor. Barely a historian, so can't. I thought you had a Google Can't. degree. I do. I do have a Google degree. I do have an Ancestry.com degree and, and a, a find MD a grave in, degree. Yeah. An MD in Google. I do. I do. I do. I have Especially everything. Code cancer. I do have everything. 
I know. People are not I that's not no well it is normal to Google your symptoms and think you're dying. That isn't everybody does that. My abnormality is that if someone else has a symptom, you now have it and you yes. are dying. Yes, I can't watch yeah. <laughs> that that's not the normal part. Um at his funeral, an estimated thousand a hundred thousand people I can't get over. We're telling strangers that I'm a hypochondriac. At his funeral, an estimated 100,000 people lined the streets of Manhattan to pay their respects for his funeral. Suicides of despondent fans were reported. Girls killed themselves over him dying. Windows were smashed as fans tried to get in and out, and an all-day riot erupted on the 24th. Over 100 mounted officers from the NPD, NYPD's police reserve had to be deployed to restore order. Police officers lined the streets for the remainder of the viewing. Polish actress Pola Negri claiming to be Valentino's fiance, collapsed in hysterics while standing over his coffin. It was drama. It was drama beyond drama. And they didn't have, like, news crews and stuff like that yeah. back then. Um, his funeral mass in Manhattan was held on Monday, the 30th of August. And um, afterwards, his remains were taken by train from New York to California. A second funeral was held on the West Coast at the Catholic Church of the Good Shepherd in Beverly Hills. Valentino had no final burial arrangements, but his friend, June Mathis, which I believe was his manager too, arranged a temporary solution when she offered a crypt that she had purchased for her husband that she had since divorced. Coincidentally, she died the following year and was interred in the adjoining crypt that she had purchased for herself. Valentino was never moved. They originally had this big plan to build an entire building just for him. Yeah, and it never came about because she died the year later. Yeah. Um, he remains in the crypt next, next to June Mathis. The two people are still interred side by side at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Hollywood, California. Over the years, now this is the lady in black. Over the years, a woman in black carrying one red rose has come just like, just like American Horror Story. Story. Over the years, a woman in black carrying a red rose has come to mourn at Valentino's crypt, usually on the anniversary of his death. Several myths surround the woman. Though it seems the first woman in black was actually a publicity stunt cooked up by a press agent. A woman named Dietra Flame claimed to be the original woman in black. And then several copycats have followed over the years. Although originally a PR stunt has become a tradition, the current woman in black is a motion picture historian Carrie Bible, who I think she does tours. I think she actually works for the cemetery and does tours. Um, my, I actually have a story about the lady in black, though. When I, I used to be a Hollywood tour guide. Did I ever tell you that? No. I used to be a Hollywood tour guide. I used to take people to Hollywood all the time. And one of the stops was always the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And I took older people. It wasn't usually like a young group of people that wanted to see newer stars. It was all people who were, who they knew. wanted to see the 20s? Well, who wanted, I mean, they weren't necessarily older, older, but they knew who Valentino was and they knew who Cecil B. DeMille was and yeah. Marion Davies and all that stuff. So I, we always, always went to the Forever back then. Well, 98. So... It was Hollywood forever by then. Um, one time we, I took a group there and there was, they were filming something by the lake there. So there, it was a really busy day. It was kind of crazy. Usually when you go on a random Tuesday afternoon, it's not very many people there, even though it's very large. And I had taken this group there and we had parked and there were just tons of people miling around. And I was like, well, let's go all the way back to the back corner. I want to show you where Rudolph Valentino is interred. And I explained to them the whole lady in black story and, as we were walking up, there was a lady standing on the steps, dressed all in black, and her clothes were, like, torn, and she had, like, her hair was all ratted out. She looked homeless. Yeah. But she was head to toe dressed in black. And when we walked up, it was a couple of the the 
grips for the filming. They were they were on a break for filming. I don't even know who was filming that day, but some of the people that were working on the set um, were walking up the steps with us, and we had kind of started chatting, and I was telling them about the lady in black, and they were like, oh, we take us with you and tell us the story. So they went with you, and we ran into this lady standing on the steps of the mausoleum, just all in black, and she stopped me and said, are you here to see my Rudy? And I was like, mm, yeah. I am. And she goes, well, let me take you to my Rudy. And I said, well, how is he your Rudy? And I'm standing there. Mind you, I have probably six people on my tour. Plus there's six or seven of the people from the filming that had heard me doing the tour that kind of like joined in. And so now she has this whole audience of people. And she explains that when she was young, she was a young, young bride. She got married at 13. And her husband worked on Rudolph Valentino's movies. And during one of his movies, a set caught on fire, which I researched and found to be true, that one of his sets caught on fire and killed her husband. husband. And Rudolph Valentino promised her that for the rest of her life, he would take care of her. So until he died, she would get a check in the mail every week for her husband's wages from Rudolph Valentino. I don't know. Is that interesting oh, though? She was ancient when I met her. She was ancient. So I did the math. Yeah. And I met her. It had to be. I don't remember. At the time I did the math to figure out could she possibly have been alive during the time that this movie set. And it, based on the fact that her she was a child bride, yeah, it would have worked out. Yeah. Time wise. And she took us over to his script. She led us over there and sang to him in Italian and lit a candle for him and showed us the red roses that she brought and said that she visited. I still to this day don't know if she was the lady in black or some crazy lady that happened to be there. Maybe she was there because of the filming. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but my guests on my tour were thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. People today say that the cemetery that are there at the cemetery at night see a shadow of a lady in black going up the stairs and disappearing through the doors of the mausoleum. I was going to say, uh, the, things like the lady in black that we met there, I, things like that have always happened to us when we're there. Something like that happens. One time I was there, and I was with a different group of people. These were much younger people, so they were more instru- interested in, like, Joey Ramon is buried there, and Dee Ramon. And um, we kind of separated. We were all just kind of roaming. And I walked up. There was a man standing at a woman's grave. And he, I looked at what grave he was looking at. And her birthday was the same as mine. And so for whatever reason, because I talked to everybody. And I said, oh, her, her birthday is the same as mine. Was that your wife? And she had just died. Like the, it was within the last month or whatever her marker had yeah. said. And he... We ended up talking, I ended up talking to him for like 30 minutes. We just sat on the bench by his wife's grave and we were talking about life and death and how he was telling me that to make sure that I call my grandparents regularly because he and his wife paid for his grandchildren to go to private schools, but they never called him or anything. Mm -hmm. And they never came to visit. Yeah. And they never had been there to, he said that he had always wished that he would show up at the grave of his wife because he came like every day. And that there would be flowers there, that someone had come while he was gone and left her flowers, like one of his grandchildren or something. So we talked for a while, and he told me that he lived near Florence in Normandy, or off of, which is where the LA riots ultimately ended up being. Okay. And so we were, I don't think he lived right there, because he was a very well-to-do man, so he didn't live near there. But he lived 
I don't know, we were talking about, like, the area and stuff. And so after he left, I went and met my friends, and we all went to the flower shop and bought flowers for her and went back and put oh, it on her grave. Yeah. It was really, yeah. If we go there, we should <clears throat> If I can find it again, I it's right outside of Valentino's mausoleum, so it's right there. And the saddest thing is, is when I went back, it would, had been a couple years later, there was a new grave right beside her. Oh. So I think he had, yeah. But then another time we went, Haley and I were there to see, they did a showing, this is why I know what the Elks Lodge looks like, the inside of the Elks Lodge is really creepy. They were doing a showing of the Raven, and they had a medium there, and we were invited by the medium to go, and he was doing readings before the showing of the movie. It was just this whole Halloween thing that they were doing. And so after he had done his readings, we didn't want to stay and watch the movie, and they knew that I had done tours of the cemetery before. So he asked us to, or he said, do you guys want to go walk around? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And this is the next story I'm going to tell you about Virginia Rappay. But I said, yeah, I want to go over um, by Virginia Rappay's grave and I want to do like an EVP session or something. So we went over there and he had what's called a, you know, do you want a Frank's box is? Yes. Um, wait, do you have, can you pull it up and tell, yeah. I don't know if our listeners would know what a Frank's box is. So a Frank's box is a device that, is used for contacting spirits through the use of radio frequencies um, or boxes. Mediums use it for direct communication. It's, the they're kind of creepy because yeah. they, they spin through a radio dial and then just individual words come out. Yeah, and then the words come out, but then they can hear They go back and listen and can slow it down and like actually make it out a little better. Right. So we took it. EVP recorder. Yeah, we took it over to where Virginia Rappé is, which is a story I will tell you next. And um, on the Frank's box, we kept getting a woman's voice saying, help. Oh. I know. It was so creepy, too. The night that we were there, it was raining. So it was dark and rainy. And we were sitting out with umbrellas. It was probably close to midnight in a cemetery. It was probably the creepiest. Like you said earlier, I don't believe that cemeteries are haunted. Typically, I do not. This place is different. It's completely... There has to well, uh, there, there's a difference though. Between there's yeah energy. between energies yeah. and the haunting. I feel though that this place is so close to the studios and where they like it's it's their environment. So maybe they don't leave. It's I you I feel completely different there than I've ever felt at any other cemetery. I feel like there's definitely spirit there. It feel it feels like it even in the middle of the day, let alone on a rainy really night like at midnight near Halloween. <laughs> well, I don't think you can. I think we were only allowed because he was an invited guest to do this event there. And it, the event was still going on inside the building. So they allowed us to go out. There was a guard there and we told him what he was doing. And he had a limousine and stuff that took he took us there in a limousine. And the limousine driver kind of crept along and like was near where we had walked to. Um, it was an experience though, for sure. It was probably one of the coolest. I mean, we both know. I don't know that we've ever mentioned on the podcast that we belong to a paranormal investigation team. I don't typically take part in the investigations. My job solely is research. So this was one of my experiences where I got to be part of a team that was actually investigating. It was only at the cemetery and it was only like at my discretion where I wanted to go in the cemetery because they knew I knew it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had as far as ghost hunting goes. And maybe it was the rain, maybe it was the almost midnight and almost Halloween that made it even more significant. But 
the help was so clear and it kept happening and it was clearly the same voice over and over again. And on a Frank's box, it's not usually the same voice. Over, you hear different voices saying different things. We numerous times heard the word help over and over the same voice. So it was cool. Um, about Virginia Rappé, though, she is one of the other people that are known to haunt the forever or Hollywood Forever Cemetery. She's buried there. The circumstances of Rappé's death was in 1921, it became a Hollywood scandal and was covered widely sensationalized by the media at the time. During a party held on Labor Day on September 5th, 1921, Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle, he was known as Fatty Arbuckle in silent movies, and my dog, my dog before Dempsey was named Arbuckle after Fatty Arbuckle. He was a very well-known silent movie star. He had rented a number of suites at the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco. He was there to celebrate a new contract with Paramount Studios. It was going to make him like just a ton of money. He was already very wealthy. But he had rented this suites. These bunch of different suites had tons of people come up from Hollywood to party with them for the weekend. Rapay was one of the people that had showed up at the parties. She was a model in silent movie extra. She wasn't well-known in the movies yet, mm-hmm. but she was well-known in the group. They all knew each other. And she allegedly suffered some kind of trauma. She died on September 9th from a ruptured bladder that had happened during the party. And then she had a secondary infection that actually killed her. Rumors arose supposedly um, to besmirch her character that Rapay had given birth to a child in Chicago, that she had had numerous uh, abortions, and that um, which uh, the that was proved false in the autopsy, but the exact events of the party are still unclear. With witnesses relating numerous versions of what happened, but it was alleged that Rapay had died of a result of a violent sexual assault by by Arbuckle. I mean, he was three hundred and fifty pounds or something. She was this teeny tiny little silent yeah. movie extra. Did he raped her. S- supposedly, allegedly. allegedly, he raped her. Um, the problem with this was that her. The accuser was a lady named Maude Delmont, and she had brought Rapay to the party, and she was one of the ones that testified. And she was known for her – she had a police record for extortion and blackmail. Oh. So they think that she had – like, she put – I don't – she didn't know Virginia was going to die. Clearly, I mean, she didn't know that was going to happen. But I think that when it did happen, knowing that Fatty Arbuckle was – so like, Yes. Yeah, he was tried three times for the exact same thing and every time found innocent. Hmm. They had no, and it wasn't his character. He had been in the industry for years before that. He was His wife stood by his side. or his, They were actually going through a divorce at the time before this even happened. But she stood by his side and he really, he just didn't have the reputation for it. He wasn't that kind of person. And he wouldn't have needed to do that. Not needed, I know that. Sexual predators, I can't believe I just said that. I, it wasn't it wasn't something he would have done or been known for. He just wasn't that kind of guy. And this mod lady was definitely after the fact that he had just signed a three million dollar contract back in nineteen twenty one, you know? Mm-hmm. The equivalent of what was three million dollars now. So it was just the whole thing was really shady. Witnesses testified that um she had suffered from previous venereal diseases. There were allegations that her death was brought on by health rather than an assault. After Three manslaughter trials, Arbuckle was formally acquitted. His acquittal in the third trial was accompanied by an unprecedented statement of apology from the jury, stating that the acquittal is not enough for Roscoe Arbuckle. We feel that a great injustice has been done to him, 
There's not the slightest proof to connect him in any way with the commission of a crime. Arbuckle's reputation and career was nevertheless ruined by the scandal. Like, he never came back again. He ended up writing under a pseudonym. Like, he would write movies. He did the silent movies, the comedy of errors, the crazy... But it ruined his career. It ruined his career. And they said that he didn't do it. But in, in... the bottom line is she did die. And it, his case, by the way, was has been studied by scholars and historians. Like, first of all, you wouldn't be tried three times for the same crime. They didn't have double jeopardy then? You couldn't be tried. No, you could be you tried over and over again. Yeah, Until, but found, the, until found guilty. until Basically until someone decided that enough is enough. But it ruined his career. But she did die. And people say that they can hear sobbing from the area of her grave. And tour guides warn people not to linger. Her boyfriend at the time, his name was Learman, he would sit for hours and days crying at her website. He missed her. She was her beautiful, website. though. Her website, her gravesite. My, web, I was looking at this at the sign on the wall. Um, he would sit at her gravesite for hours, um, grieving her loss. So people say today, like, what happened to us? We heard help, help. Yeah. We hear crying. We heard help, help. So I don't know if it was her. I mean, where she's buried, it's it's really close to actually the water feature they have there. Oh, there's a million other people buried there, so who knows. Um, the stages of Paramount Studios that are located closest to the cemetery report seeing spirits clothed in 30s and 40s garb. Additionally, they report hearing mysterious footsteps wander through the studios and equipment turning on and off right there back by the cemetery. And that um, located a few feet from the cemetery on the Lemon Grove side is one of the entrances into Paramount Studios or like a gate that goes to Paramount Studios. However... This one is often used by studio, the studio's ghostly visitors. They say that guards at night will legitimately see shadows walking through the door. Which, I, to me, is not hard again. I don't typically think cemeteries are well, haunted, but if they're... It has to do with the studios. And the, people probably died a lot on sets. Theaters are very, and studios would be the same way. Theaters, I believe, are very, very haunted because of the high energy and the feelings and the emotions. Mm-hmm. And being that close to a studio... And being a cemetery where emotions are very, very high, I could see where the veil is very thin there. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but they said that they, um, there was a guard there that used to, he used to see the shadows walking through, and then he would actually see just heads poke through the fence and, like, look into onto the cemetery side and then go back. So I don't know. Paramount Studios is very known for being haunted also. So I just think the proximity of the cemetery and that studio kind of create a huge... Thing. Well, just maybe just the veils thinner there. Maybe yeah. there's some kind of connection. And you always, when you if you're going into a cemetery, you're thinking about death and people and lives, and so you're more open to seeing things as well. Maybe the guards at night at the cemetery also report seeing the specter of Rudolph Valentino. Now, this is when I don't really believe. I could see the black lady repeating itself, not necessarily an intelligent haunting, but sort of a repeat, a loop of. Of something happening. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Rudolph Valentino would hang out at his grave. Unless he's just pissed that he's in the wall and not in his own building. Like yeah, Marion like Davies. Yeah, Marion Davies. She was a, silent, a movie star too during the 20s and 30s. 20s. She was the lover of William Randolph Hearst. The whole Hearst, Hearst Castle. Castle. Yeah. yeah. She has a beautiful building. Bu- yeah, her own little building. And so many times um, when I had been there, there were flowers on it. There were brand new fresh flowers on her grave and it, it always said from your loving great nephew or something like that. I never found out who that was. But people, the 
the the night guards probably see the most. They said that um, oh that Clifton Webb and I know you want to know who Clifton Webb is, but he was a big actor in the forties, fifties, and sixties, fifties mostly. He was the original Belvedere in three different movies in forty eight and fifty one, and he haunts the Abbey of Psalms there. They have lights, strange lights, not like the lights go on. They have floating lights that happen in that hallway. There's just not really they don't call it orbs like a light will go on and go off a light will go on and go off and then um drafts of cold air smells of cologne and whispers voted voice like whispered voices in that mausoleum which that one is really creepy too though there's two or three different big mausoleums where they have like the the different types there's one that always kills me it's a whole family that's buried there and you can they all died on the same day and i've never been able to find out who they were and that drives me crazy but it's in the clifton webb hallway you can just read on the wall you know they have all the different crypts on the wall yeah. and it's all the same last name and it's all different ages and they all died on the same day you but i've, I've never been able to find out who they were i can't find them anywhere of course i've tried i don't know i if that bugs me every time i go there What's and i name? i don't remember now oh. but i saw it again when i went i just went a couple months ago when my friend was here from wisconsin we took her daughter there to check it out and um that hallway is just really cool i mean it's cold because it's marble and stuff too mm-hmm. but it's something about that hallway is just really 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 creepy and i don't know why they say that he hunts his house too so maybe he just floats back and forth he was sort of flamboyant always want to be the center of attention probably doesn't get much attention at his house so he hangs out at the mausoleum mm-hmm. and gets more attention i don't know so whether you believe cemeteries are haunted or not a trip to hollywood forever cemetery won't disappoint the stars of Hollywood, old and new, never really rest. Like a light left on a stage, their stars don't dim. And if you're lucky, you may catch a glimmer of one of those stars. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. Be sure to follow and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode. Until next time, I'm Kat, and remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.